Blog Talk Radio. I definitely say what's on my mind. And I don't live with any regret. Radio and TV broadcasting is just in my blood. I'm a Tebo. This is my DNA. And this is the Jennifer Tebow Show. And me, I'm Jennifer Tebow. Hello, 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 everyone. Yes, I am Jennifer Tebow. I was dying, and when I say dying, I, I mean dying to talk to you all. I put the show on hi- on hiatus for a variety of reasons and decided that I would return to live shows on July 11th, but today is not the 11th, so <laughs> congratulations if you figured that out. Today is Wednesday, July 6th, 2011, and it is 9 p.m. Central Time. So why on earth, if I'm coming off of hiatus on the 11th, would I do a show early? Well, I honestly, I just couldn't wait. Now, this is a labor of love for me to be able to do this radio show and do it as live as possible. And so I really, really, really want to just come back and do a midweek report. It helps me get my chops fresh again as well, but there's just so much to talk about. So I'm. this is like the coming back early teaser. Uh, I liken it to if the first day of school is on a Monday, you kind of get a chance to, like, go in and um, sneak preview that Friday, like it's the open house or something. So that's what it is. So if this is your first time listening to the Jennifer Tebow Show, welcome. Again, I am Jennifer Tebow. If you are listening to the show, it means you're probably listening via the Internet. If you have to break yourself away from your Internet connection but you still want to listen to the show, you can dial in at 347-637-1837 and you can listen in. Or even if you wanted to talk, you can do that too by dialing in, 347-637-1837. The Jennifer Tebow Show is normally broadcast on Monday mornings, bright and early at 6 a.m. The last time we broadcast, gee, it was like almost a month ago. It's kind of surprising uh, that so much time has passed. Especially I know people were waiting, and I was dying and waiting too, to talk about the first thing on my list, go figure, the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks. Let me say it. Let me give them every bit of respect that they deserve. The Dallas the Dallas Mavericks beat the Miami Heat four games to two on Miami Heat ground in South Beach where the talents were, right, where all the talent was, in in Miami. Uh, four games to two. So Dallas Mavericks are officially the 2011 National Basketball Association champions. So can I get a little applause? Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Very good. Well, my applause took a while to slow down. <laughs> so really excited. I was so excited. As a matter of fact, I shared this with uh, many of my friends. On Facebook, if you were keeping up with me on Facebook and some of the quirky things that I do, I mean, watching the championship game is like really serious business for me. I'm watching it for a variety of reasons, so I get an opportunity to report exactly what's happening. And um, it helps me to stay sharp if I keep up with the stats 
and exactly kind of play by play. And so for fun, I also was reflecting back what the stats were at pivotal moments in the game. So people were stunned. They could not believe that, you know, every usually about every three or four minutes I was giving the actual play-by-play for for the game. And, you know, it was sweet victory. Um, it was a great championship series, I thought. Of course, I loved the actual outcome. But even better was this was like basketball royalty and basketball, you know, gold and platinum all wrapped up into one. What better television than to watch the rematch of the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat? Now, I tell people this all the time, and I even told people this standing in the line getting my all of my Mavericks championship uh, hat and shirt and all that that I got an hour after the game was up. And <laughs> I told people, I said, you know, there are a couple of basketball losses that just are just losses, sports losses, period, that just don't sit right with me. The first one, and hold on to your hat, was in 1986 when the Houston Rockets played the Boston Celtics. If you recall that game, you know, it's one of those that just I'll never forget it, but if you recall that series, I should say, um, it was a series that leading up to that, the Rockets actually beat the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals that year to be able to advance to the finals to play the Boston Celtics. That was a big deal in and of itself, but the even bigger deal was the fact of the way the Rockets eliminated the Lakers. Final shot of the game, chances are the Rockets were going to lose. It was going to be basketball royalty playing in the finals, Lakers versus the Celtics. Throw the ball inbound with like .3 seconds left, The Rockets pull out a miraculous tip-in, and they advance to the final. So already, if you're a Houston Rockets fan, you were on a high, like, oh, this just couldn't be any better than this. And then we met up with the Boston Celtics. Now, at the time, this is 1986, so you have to remember, this was, you know, this was Larry Bird's time. This was Danny Ainge's time. Was that, is that what I call a motley crew? And the Celtics were rough and tough, and I will always say that I don't think they played very fair. Mind you, I was watching with Houston Rockets red and gold in my mind, but there was a fight that was pitched, you know, in a pivotal game, and so all of a sudden Samson was out of was out of a game. He got ejected for fighting. It just was, it just never sat right with me because I accept a loss. I cannot accept an unfair loss. And that one, I think, was an unfair loss. So, okay, so let's fast forward now to the 2000s. I don't want to get stuck in the 80s for this entire 30 minutes of this midweek report. You fast forward, I'm in Dallas now. I am, you know, feeling closer to the Dallas uh, Mavericks now than I am the Rockets. I've been in Dallas for a while. And the Mavericks really had this, like, fantastic squad. And, again, seemed like a fairy tale season. They go on to the finals to play the Miami Heat at the time led by Pat Riley. Uh, they had Shaquille O'Neal, D-Wade were kind of the headliners for the team, and other great players as well. So it, with the momentum that the Mavericks had and the young legs that the Mavericks had, it really seemed like it was the Mavericks here. First two games were really, I mean, it seemed like the Mavericks didn't even break a sweat. And so everyone in Dallas, unfortunately, we got roped in. And it felt like the Miami Heat rope a dope. Because we started planning our parades 
after game two. I knew the parade route in 2006 because every, you know, every news station talked about it. We were going to win the championship. And all of a sudden, before our very eyes, the unthinkable happened, and the Miami Heat won four straight and winning game six actually on our court. And it just, I mean, it was like this absolutely cannot be. It was something that was truly unbelievable. So that one didn't sit right with me. Now, am I saying that the Miami Heat cheated then? No. I, I, you know, I think it was clean games. I was, I was more upset over the change of play of the Dallas Mavericks from games three, four, five, and six than I was at anything that I may say a ref did or what have you. Uh, so it's like all of a sudden the Miami Heat came alive and the and the Mavericks kind of retreated a little bit. It was going to be a close game. There were two good teams, but the Miami Heat were the victors. So that that was one that I just didn't feel good about because I felt like the better team lost. Um, so those are the two losses. So this rematch came, and I mean I was, you know, everyone says, oh well, you know, you report sports and you're supposed to remain unbiased. <laughs> Who? Or my favorite term, horse clucky. Why should I remain, you know, this uh, this unbiased? You know, why should I be unbiased? I like being biased. Bias is good. Bias helps me form an opinion. And my opinion was I felt like the Dallas Mavericks were going to win. I But I also said this to be fair. I said both teams were great. The reality is that a good team was, was destined to lose in the NBA Finals. That was the reality of it. And it was very apparent with the final scores of all the games, which were very, very close. Most of the games boiled down to the last three minutes of the game. It was really a battle of, of true will. So, you know, just hats off to the Mavericks. I mean, you could see it in their eyes. They were locked and loaded. There were some mistakes, I think, socially that the Miami Heat made when uh, LeBron, I know they talked about it to death, but I'll do it too, when, when LeBron and D-Wade kind of made jokes about Dirk when he was sick, I just thought, oh, you are stealing your fake karma. Karma karma is a shiny trophy named the Larry O'Brien. And I'm telling you, when they did that, I thought you have sealed your fate. You are not going to win the NBA Finals. Sometimes I can make these predictions from skill, but sometimes it's, it's those things, it's those elements. Uh, one thing is for sure, LeBron James had a lot of self-loathing that happened afterwards. I was really disappointed if nothing else, really disappointed to see, just to kind of watch him and the way that he handled the press. Uh, he's young. You know, he's 25, 20, I think he's 26 years old now, 26 years old, and he's still finding his way in talking to the media and dealing with his feelings of winning and dealing with his feelings of losing. Um, it's unfortunate that we get a chance to watch every moment of it because every single person is going to have their their slips and their bad moments. Um, but, you know, I know that when he made the move to Miami, he felt like half the world was against him because he left Cleveland. But LeBron, this is from Dr. J to you, uh, you know, I mean, you made a man's decision. So you don't have to apologize and you don't have to address that people are happy that you lost. Don't even address it. Why even bother? You made a man's decision and that's what you should have made for your family. Um, I personally agreed with your decision. It is your life and your career. However you want to navigate it, you're the one that has to live with it. 
um, there were a lot of mistakes as far as how the decision was announced. You kind of took people on that journey with you, which made people feel like they had the right to comment. So, again, that's something that LeBron is going to have to learn, that if he wants to have that level of privacy of, of comment, you can't make public commentary and really this re- whole reality show concept out of making that kind of move. But he'll work through that. So congratulations to the Dallas Mavericks. I'm I'm really happy. And by the way, if you know anybody's curious, the Dallas Mavericks are actually um, members of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. Just wanted to point that out. Um, they're one. They are one of 2,200 members of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, the oldest and largest Black Chamber of Commerce in the country. So shout out to all of the members, board members, and leadership for the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce which, by the way, they're celebrating 85 years in existence this year, so that's pretty exciting. So I can't wait to talk to you all about a lot of those things that will be happening and activities. Okay, moving forward to the NFL. So this has, like, been a sports time, this hiatus for me, where I've really been soaking up what's happening in sports. Now, I could talk about a certain Dallas Cowboy that sent an engagement ring and a proposal through the mail. I could talk about it. I could talk about a lot of other players that are doing some things. All I will tell you is I will give the advice to all the players, because as many of you know, I do work with athletes to help them in their career transition. And this is the advice. You know, so I give a lot of scholarly advice. I've got all this great training on performance and mental performance and psychology and all that great stuff. But this is going to be my grandmother's advice that I will send out into the ways. An idle mind is a devil's workshop. Okay, an idle mind is a devil's workshop. So I say all that to say that all the things that we're seeing on the news about this player doing this, whether it's whether it's just silly or it's you know them getting into trouble, they just have extra time on their hands that they don't normally have. The NFL is in a lockout, and just back it up for a second. The NBA is now also locked out. Their players, they they kind of went. Um, gangster, I think, with their lockout, they snatched all the players' images off of NBA.com. So, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, like you don't exist? Are you serious? That's interesting. So, at any rate, the the NFL is in their lockout. Supposedly, they are trying to craft their language to, you know, to be able to end this lockout. So, the deal is there are lawsuits, right? So, there are lawsuits and there are is, and there is the opportunity to just negotiate and come up with an agreement whereby the lawsuits by the players, both active and retired, would potentially be dropped, okay? that's So that's really what they're facing. And so now the negotiators are saying that we're crafting the language for for a potential agreement to the collective bargaining agreement, which, by the way, will be a 10-year agreement, and if that happens, then they can fire off the training camps. There'll probably be a very limited, if at all, any preseason this season. Then the season will start probably later than scheduled. Um, there have been uh, rumors that the NFL has been, been toiling with an eight-game season versus 16-game season. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I would give my two cents and since S-E-N-S-E, but I'll I'll give, you know, my ideas is I wouldn't shorten the season to that extent 
It's kind of like when the Spurs won the NBA championship, was it back in 97, and it was a 50-game season. That just didn't feel too good to me either. Um, I don't like the abbreviated seasons. It doesn't really, from a championship, say much. It says a whole lot dollars and cents, right? Vegas is happy. They've got something to bet on. Television is happy. The leagues are happy. At least they have something. But, you know, my opinion, and this is going to be my opinion, is that if you create as close to a regular season as possible, I wouldn't do eight games. I'd at least do a 12-game schedule. And Super Bowl maybe happens in March this year as opposed to happening, you know, in the first week in February. Where's the crime in that, right? Where's the crime in that? So just Dr. J's thoughts, but that's just what I'm thinking. So I think they will end the lockout. Now, the real snag, as far as news is concerned, is the retired players. As many of you may have kept up with, is that the retired players also filed their own lawsuit. That lawsuit has been enjoined to be included with consideration as far as to lift the lockout or not with the active players' lawsuit. So the really important deal is this. If the owners and the representatives for the players, which are really the only people that's really at the table for players, are really reps for active players, not really retired. The retired players, I will tell you this, have really not been included um, to the table. So if this agreement is drafted, You could see an agreement between active players and owners, but the retired players, if their issues are not addressed, that's going to be like as the world turns. So now what? The retired players still have a very valid lawsuit, extremely, extremely valid for their earned benefits, and that's a key word, earned benefits that they have have not received. And so at that point, just because the owners and the active players come up with an agreement, they still may not be able to lift the lockout legally because the retired players' grievances have not been addressed uh, with the negotiation process. And so I just started seeing articles really come out about that idea, like great for the owners and the active players, but you cannot uh, dismiss the idea and the notion that there is a lawsuit out there for the retired players. So hopefully, uh, it sounds like things may move fast and furious, to be able to include them, it's a heck of a note at the very end to then make some big invitation to the retired players. Um, I will have to make this statement. This is where I'm going to go back to being very biased, you know, and I'm going to use the word shame. You know, shame, you know, it's really a shame that the people that built the league would have to fight just to be recognized for their earned benefits. It's really a shame that the United States pays, the citizens of the United States taxpayers pay for the injuries of retired professional football players all because an industry refuses to earn benefits. Now, if you're not adding up how that works, let me give you a quick scenario that is very, very common. Retired pro player starts having major Major injuries could be related to concussion, could be all the moving parts like joints, shoulders, knees, those things, hips. Those are some of the very common injuries that tend to plague players right around mid mid to late 40s is when most a lot of the major injuries begin to crop up, not to mention the dementia and some of the mental deficits that begin to reveal themselves 
in the late 40s. So with some of the rules that exist, the National Football League has certain rules of filing for disability and those things after 10 years. Well, if you play three years in the league, let's pretend you you got into the league at 22 and played three years, you retired at 25, 10 years later you're 35, these deficits and these major injuries that are related to football that take a while sometimes to show themselves to the point that the player needs to do something about it, um, it's beyond the 10 years. So you don't file for disability, right? I mean, why why would you? And also a big part of it is you're supposed to be a rough and tough big guy. So you just know the culture is you don't say anything. When you get to the point you can't walk, you get to the point you can't remember your family, when you get to those points, you, re- you realize, hey, this is football-related. National Football League says, sorry, you missed your time frame, not even necessarily acknowledging if it's related or not. It's just, uh, you know, it's a technicality. And so what is that player, that, that retired player to do? Medicare, Medicaid. Guess who helps to pay for Medicare, Medicaid? Well, why we all do, all of us. So in a time where, where we are struggle, struggle, struggling, can't even say the word, where we're struggling to recover in this economy, Guess what? We are carrying the burden of a multi-billion dollar industry. Now, if that doesn't get you mad, I don't know what will, honestly. I mean, when I sit down to do taxes or have to write a tax bill, the last thing I want to do is write a figure and have like a little devil on my shoulder say, oh, no, 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 make sure you add this amount because that's the amount that a multi-billion dollar industry is, is electing to pass on to you. Because that's really what I see when those kinds of things happen. It's just really a shame. I told you guys it would be fast. We've got seven minutes left on this quick midweek report. But if you do want to dial in, if you're interested, you can dial in to the show at 347-637-1837. Again, 347-637-1837. Okay. So shout out to all of my retired players. The one thing is for sure, and there was a press conference in D.C., one thing is for sure, if you are an active player, you will become a retired player. That is going to happen. That is your next guarantee. You live your whole life hoping and hoping that you will potentially be a professional athlete. But when you get to the pro athlete stage, there is a true guarantee that you will be a retired player. There are an estimated 20,000 retired players in the United States that are currently living. That's 20,000. That's actual players, not to mention the extension of their families uh, that are impacted by a lot of these things that are happening. So when you make comments or just even think about what, what's the deal with, with football and, you know, what's really happening, I want you to really understand that there is a larger perspective of retired players that are in dire need of their earned benefits to be given the benefits that they earned there are families that are impacted. There's really a bigger story that I always talk about that the media does not show. Uh, with the press conference that occurred for the retired players uh, with Carl Eller and uh, and Dave Pear and Elvin Bethea and Joe DeLamalier and Lynn Barney, Joe, uh, uh, George Visker, um, let's see, there was Greg Cook and there was another one too. With this big press conference, that they oh how can I forget Conrad Dobler uh, with this big press conference that they did to explain to the really to the world hey this is what our 
press conference is about. This is what our lawsuit is about, and these are the things that we're suffering from. It's a very important press conference to be able to give the world and the media a better understanding of the entire issue of the National Football League Collective Bargaining Agreement and the lockout. Guess how many cameras were there? Only five. Only five cameras were there. I was I was proud that, that I had a crew that was there, but we, you know, our crew was one of only four, you know, four other cameras. And when I then looked up after the event passed, I looked to see what other media may have been showing that press conference. None did. It's actually pretty sad to see. And so this is not a glamorous issue. And I'm going to say it, and I've said it before, and I'm quite sure I'll say it again, and I'll say it on on the uh, documentary uh, that I'm filming. The reason the media doesn't cover it, in my opinion, my opinion, is because if if we have to convince the general public that a sport that they enjoy, that they love to watch, that they meet up to watch, that they spend a lot of money on football parties, that the very sport that they enjoy watching is literally killing players, is killing the spirit of most of their families because of the injuries, because of the things that they are not being provided their earned benefits. If the general public had to really digest that, it would be like tasting something that almost all of a sudden just didn't taste good anymore. It's like that gum that's really juicy up front and then it goes nasty on you. That's what that's why the media doesn't cover this issue. They don't show you the people in their forties who have dementia. They don't talk about the people living they may talk about the person living under the bridge, but they don't talk about the mental deficits that the person experienced from their 20s and which led to the bad decisions. We talk about bad decisions with athletes as if they're all in their right mind. Some are, but some have impacts of concussions and other things that really led to a series of bad things that happened to them, both mentally, physically, financially. And so the media doesn't cover it. And you know, what I will say is we as people living in this world got to stop turning a blind eye to the things that are in front of us. There are only 2,000 active players in the National Football League. There are 20,000 retired players. How do you ignore 20,000 people? I personally cannot. That's that's just that's my take on it. So I didn't mean to dominate uh, for the NFL and the retired person lockout, but it is important. Speaking of blind eye, and I just I will wrap up with this story. I kind of posted this on Facebook on my Facebook page today. Casey Anthony, everybody's upset because Casey Anthony was um, everybody's upset because she was acquitted. She was found not guilty, and people can't believe it. And this is what I will say. I mean, there were live coverage and you know streaming and all this of this of this murder trial of a 25 year old that supposedly killed her two year old child, and that's terrible and you know I'm not taking anything away from it but how many camera crews drove by homeless children how many camera crews drove by pockets of poverty and illiteracy and unbanked areas how many camera crews passed by all of those social ills that we can affect and change and elected not to show that those things they had to see on their way to the courthouse but to show a trial that we cannot affect, a trial that is in the hands of a judicial process that has been well-formed, and we have to trust in that process. Why? 
Why do we do that? We've got to stop turning a blind eye to really what is around us. That's extremely, extremely important. I just I can't say that enough. It just it rings so clear. It reminded me of Katrina, and I posted this on Facebook as well today, of Katrina when media crews were filming people waving and to, to be rescued, but they didn't rescue them. And I said this before and I'll say it again. If I was president during that time, there would have only been one film crew, only one film crew allowed in the air. And any other helicopter in the, in the air had to be rescuing or else I'd shoot them down myself. Now, I live in Texas, so, sh- you know, shoot them up style is probably a very common thing. But we've got to start helping people. We've got to stop acting like we just want to watch what we happen. And we can't just be in an area where we watch life happen. We have to be in, in, in the moment where we truly participate and make life better. All right, so that's it. You can tell I was bursting with information. Again, congratulations to the Dallas Mavericks, the 2011 National Basketball Association champs. Couldn't be more proud. Also a member of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. The show will resume regularly scheduled Mondays at 6 a.m. Central Time. The Jennifer Tebow show. Yes, this is Jennifer Tebow. Thank you for joining me in the middle of the week, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. You guys have more than a great day.